be talking now about the shining face of Moses and how this applies to evangelism. Because evangelism uh, is a big part of our ministry. We do the street evangelism, and we can see in Exodus a lot of things that apply to how we should be evangelizing to people and how the church is not doing that. I think churches have dropped the ball when it comes to evangelism today. We're sending out the wrong message to people. Now, you can look at our other video that deals with with, uh, creation evangelism and the philosophy and and other things like that that are out there, but I think this ties very neatly into that. Let's read here, first of all, in Exodus. It says this, Moses was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights without eating bread or drinking water. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. When Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands... He was not aware that his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid. They were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to them, so Aaron and all the leaders of the community came back to him and he spoke to them. Afterward, all the Israelites came near him and he gave them all the commands the Lord had given them on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking... He put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord. This is all in Exodus 34, verses 28 through 35. I really encourage you to grab your Bibles and Get into that and begin to search this out because there is a lot of stuff in here that we need to examine. Moses, as we know, is a Christ figure. He's a type of Christ. Okay, Obviously not the Christ, but a foreshadowing of him, just as as Isaac was, just as um, uh, many people. Joseph can be viewed as a Christ figure because all the Old Testament pointed us to Jesus ultimately. But when his face was radiant... One of the things that kind of historically you might see is the, the word here, when it says this face was radiant, comes from a Hebrew word, a root word from horn. And that's one reason why sometimes you go, uh, if you've ever been to the Vatican, you're going to see this picture or this statue sculpture of Moses, and he's got horns. He looks like a devil because they put horns on him. And the reason is because of this radiating face. So you can see kind of the horns of the sun. Now, I don't really care for that statue much because it looks like the devil and whatnot, but that could be at least one of the reasons why you see that is because it radiated literally just as the rays of the sun coming out. This was not just some, you know, there's something different about you. This was enough to scare people. What we see in verse 33, it said, When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. He put a veil over his face so that these people could not stare and look at this. Plus, it scared them to death. They didn't get it. What is happening here is we're seeing that this veil is kind of an obscure covering. It it covers the, the truth, maybe an obscure truth that is found in Scripture. And so as we see this, I'm going to attempt to remove that veil so that you can see this obscure truth that is there in these scripture verses. We see in Romans chapter 7, verses 9 through 12, 
It says, speaking of us as Christians, once I was alive apart from the law. But when the commandments came, sin sprang to life and I died. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandments, deceived me and through the commandments put me to death. So, then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Notice the Ten Commandments. What were they brought into the world for? What were they intended for? Life. But what did they bring? Death. When God gave Moses those Ten Commandments and he came down the mountain in his arms, what did he bring? Death. And so here we have a death penalty being brought down the mountain, a death sentence. No wonder they were afraid. They didn't know why. But among this death, we see the shining face of Moses that scared them as well. What is the contrast that we're seeing here? Well, this radiance that was on Moses' face was basically hope among hopelessness that he was bringing down. It was a pardon among conviction. They were being saved by this very radiance that they were afraid of. 2 Corinthians 3, verses 7 through 10, another key one that we're going to look at says this. Now, if the ministry that brought death, the law, the Ten Commandments, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, that radiating face, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, fading though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? So if with the law, the death sentence that Moses brought down, there was glory that was fading, how much more glorious is it going to be here with the ministry of the Spirit of God involved? A ministry that brings life. So as we look at this, Paul is telling us that the letter of the law was not perfect. It was fading. It didn't come with the saving grace in the light of God's glory. That's why that that thing began fading away. It was not a perfect law. God's glory shining on us today, however, is perfect. That's why, as we talked about in the tabernacle video, Jesus is a better sacrifice because he brought the spirit that doesn't fade away. He made it a permanent thing for us. Well, as we read here again in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 9 through 11, it says, If the ministry that condemns men is glorious, the law, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now, no glory in that law now, in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was fading away came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts. You see, the law fades. It fades away once somebody comes to repentance. You repent, unless you repent, you will perish. But once you repent, that law begins to fade away. It begins to go away in our life, and it is replaced with the Spirit of God. That's why Jesus put the law in our hearts. Because now we want to do those things. We don't have to, we want to. Jesus did not come to get rid... It's amazing. You go ask a Christian, did God get rid of the law? About 80% of them will say, yes. No, Jesus did not get rid of the law. As a matter of fact, he said, I did not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. There's a wonderful video we have called, It Was Jesus, a Kararite Jew. 
which is going to talk about that very thing. Very fascinating. Jesus did not get rid of the law. But at the same time, we see many verses in Romans that tells us that the law was not made for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. The law is not for you. When you became a Christian, that law, gone. I challenge you to find me a scripture verse that says the law is now uh, supposed to be in your life as a Christian. I challenge you. Just give me a scripture verse. One. That's all I want. You see, the law, I can give you about 20 that will tell you. In Romans and Galatians alone. You go home and you read Romans and you read Galatians and you read how many times God says that we now serve not in the old way of the written code but in the new way of the Spirit. The law, we now have died to the law through the body of Christ, Romans also says. You're dead to the law. It's not supposed to be there anymore. So in 2 Corinthians 3, now verses 12 through 15, just moving forward a little bit, it says, Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to keep the Israelites from gazing at it while the radiance was fading away. We're not like that, because our radiance isn't fading. But he says, But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains. When the Old Covenant is read, it has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Only in Christ. Wow. You see what he's saying? Even today, the veil still remains over our faces every time the law is is read. That veil still is there. Only in Christ is it taken away. When you become a believer in God, it is taken away. But only in Christ can it be taken away. You know what? We're afraid to give the law to the unbeliever out there. We're giving what to them? Christ. We're giving them Christ before we're giving them the law. In our creation philosophy and evangelism, you see how important it is that we don't do that. Only in Christ can this thing be taken away. Only after repentance. Well, when we use the law today, the glory is still fading. When you're giving them the law, the glory is still fading, but that's a process that they need to go through. Verse 15 in Corinthians said, Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, repents, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. How many Christians today have experienced freedom? Wonderful freedom, because Satan's no longer on their back persecuting them, saying, oh, you're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. But when you become a Christian, the veil is now taken away, and you experience freedom. But you see, only when you turn to the Lord is that veil going to be taken away. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 4-6 through 6 says this, The God of this age has blinded the eyes of men, of the eyes of the unbelievers, so that they cannot see the light of the glory of the God of Christ. What can't they see? The radiating face. They're not allowed to see that. You can't see the shining face of God, the glory of God, until Christ is in your life and that law is gone. Because when the law is read, the veils remain. But you can't take that veil away until you turn to God, turn to Christ, repent. 
It says, the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. He lets light shine in the darkness. After, once you repent, you come. Then the law is removed. Then the veil goes, and then you can see the glory of God among all the darkness. Then you take away the veil. Is your light veiled today? Are you still being persecuted as a Christian? Do you still walk around with that veil over the face because the law still rules in your life, not in your heart? You read Galatians 4, I believe it is, where it talks about Isaac and Ishmael. And we see Sarah and Hagar. And he says, Sarah represents the New Jerusalem. Hagar, or Hagar represents Mount Sinai. From, Mount, from Hagar, you have Ishmael, which represents the law. And from Sarah, you got Isaac, which represents the gospel. And you go on and he says, even still to this day, Ishmael persecutes Isaac. What's he saying? The law persecutes the gospel. How many times do we as Christians go there and we say, oh, man, I just did this again. And you say, please forgive me, God. Please forgive me. This is the 15th time I've done this. So, you know, I don't really ask God for forgiveness anymore. Now, I know that that just shocks some of you, but let me explain that. I don't ask God for forgiveness anymore. I thank Him for it. I confess my sins, and I thank Him that He has forgiven me. I used to go and say, please, God, forgive me, hoping, thinking deep down in my heart, wondering, did He really forgive me? Has He forgiven me already? Rather than claiming the forgiveness that He said, you're you're forgiven. 2,000 years ago I was forgiven. But you see, Satan was always on my back. Ishmael was always on my back, persecuting me, saying, no, this is the 15th time you've done this. He's not going to forgive you this time. Uh Uh-uh, no, not until you change. Not until you never do it again. Not until you feel even worse. Not until then is he going to forgive you. Ishmael kept persecuting me, saying, no, you're not good enough. No, he can't forgive you this time. And I always had this hope, kind of wondering. And, And I believed, I think, that he forgave me, but I wasn't really going to accept that forgiveness until... I had stopped doing what I was doing, probably. The veil, the law, it was still there. And I couldn't see the glory of God. I didn't realize how much I really had been forgiven of. And the man who has been forgiven little, loved little. Once I began to realize how much I had been forgiven of, and I got Ishmael off my back, (laughs) then all of a sudden I began to see how much Jesus really had forgiven me of. I experienced that freedom I was talking about, that Scripture talks about. And I realized that this man has been forgiven a lot. And he began to love a lot more. And so they they have to go to Mount Sinai first. You have to go through Mount Sinai before you can go to Mount Calvary. But the churches aren't doing that today. Otherwise, Jesus is nice, but he's not necessary. We're out there telling people Jesus loves you, and they're thinking, well, that's nice. But I'm doing okay on my own. He's not necessary. Because they haven't gone through Mount Sinai. The death penalty, the death sentence that Moses brought down hasn't been given to him yet. So he's nice, but not necessary. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. I'll tell you something. People are afraid of churches. 
They're afraid to come near this. They, they don't get that. They don't understand it. It's foolishness to them. Well, are you afraid of God's glory? What did Moses do? Moses called them back. They ran away, and Moses said, Hold it, come back. And so they came back. Did he say, Guys, it's all right. Sit down, take it easy. Jesus loves you. God's there for you. He's just up on the mountain. Did he do that? He's going to give you abundant life. Did he say that? No. What did Moses give him when he called them back? The law. The commandments. He read to them every commandment. The death sentence that he brought down is what he gave them. As a matter of fact, what was the, where was the gospel? Covered up. Veiled. You see, that is what we need to be doing today for the lost. He gave them the law. God gave them a clear knowledge that they were not following God to get some abundant life or plush life. And I think that's what they thought. You see, every time things didn't go well for them, what did they do? Complain. Whine. Because what were they expecting to get from God? Abundant life. Hey, I want my trip to be nice and smooth here on earth. Don't make me suffer. Don't make me get thirsty. Don't make me get hungry. We could have been better back in Egypt. We don't need you. What Moses was doing when he gave them that law was showing them that God, they weren't following him to have a plush life. They were following him because they needed him and they were beginning to understand God's holiness and that they needed him. Big difference. And that's what's happening in the churches today. Why did Moses cover his face? Surely they, they could have gotten used to that, don't you think so? Don't you think they'd have, you know, okay, yeah, Moses' face is shining, fine, we're okay with that now. But Moses kept it there because it wasn't for them. The gospel, the glory of God, didn't belong to them yet. They hadn't gone through Mount Sinai yet. They hadn't turned to God and repented. 2 Corinthians 3, 16-17 says, Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, that's when the veil is removed. And so how does this apply with our evangelism today? It applies with our evangelism because when we go out and evangelize, we better make sure that our gospel is veiled. It's veiled to those that are perishing. But notice what Moses did. Whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. When he went into the Lord's presence, what happened to that law? Gone. Likewise, when we go into the Lord's presence, when we come to worship with Him, we've got to get Ishmael off our back. We've got to take that veil off. 1 Thessalonians 3.13, May He strengthen your heart so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God. And the Father, when our Lord Jesus comes, with all His holy ones. You see, He has made us holy and blameless in His presence. That's the glory that we have. That's what we need to understand when we go into His presence. We also read in 2 Corinthians 3.18, when we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into the likeness with ever-increasing glory. It's not fading anymore, is it? Now it's ever-increasing. And the more you walk with God, the more you do things like we talked about in that tabernacle video, you're going to see that it's an ever-increasing glory. Life gets better all the time which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, as Christians, we can walk with our unveiled faces 
And that's when we begin to have that ever-increasing glory of God. Ray Comfort, in one of his videos called Hell's Best Kept Secret, one of the top things I think we have for evangelism, he talks about a man who gets on an airplane, and in this airplane, the stewardess comes and says, here, put this life jacket on. It'll, you know, improve your flight. It's going to be more comfortable. So he puts this thing on. He's got this parachute on. Okay, it's this life vest, the parachute. He's got this thing on, and he's sitting there, and pretty soon everybody's kind of looking at him, making fun of him, sneering a little bit, and pretty soon he gets frustrated because it's really not all that comfortable. And so he takes this thing off, and he takes it and puts it under his feet, and he's angry now because the steward said it's going to make his flight better. People were making fun of him instead, and it wasn't very comfortable. Same thing is happening today in our evangelism. We're out there saying, come to Jesus, come to church, life will be better. It's going to be more comfortable. It's going to make your flight better. Your world, your walk, it's going to be better. And you know what? It doesn't work that way, does it? And then when people start making fun of you and the trials and persecutions of life come about, now all of a sudden, they take Jesus off. It says, put on Jesus Christ. They take him off because it's not worth it. They didn't get what they thought they were going to get. It didn't make all my problems go away. I didn't get this abundant life you were talking about. And so now when they take it off, now they're more disgruntled than they were before because they're a little upset that you guys told them a lie. But you take that same parachute and you go to this man and say, excuse me, sir, this plane, the captain just told us that we've got an engine that's about to quit. The other one's on its way too. We're going to crash. You need to put on this uh, parachute. I'll bet he's going to put this baby on and I don't care if people are making fun of him. He's going to keep it on. Because he put it on because Jesus wasn't nice, but necessary. It's not only now just going to make your flight more comfortable, it's going to save your life. And that's why we follow Jesus. We need him. And yes, you will get that abundant life. You're going to have joy when that happens. But without that understanding first, that joy is not going to come. That abundant life isn't there. And we're trying to skip that, and we're trying to tell people, come to Jesus, put on the parachute, it's going to make your trip more comfortable. And that's not what Jesus said. He said, I came to bring division, not peace. You will go through many trials in this life, but you're going to know how to deal with them once you have gone through Mount Sinai and have brought ben, then been brought to Mount Calvary. So think about the shining face of Moses next time you go out to evangelize, because when we go out to the world, we need to put our veil back over because that's not for the ungodly. They need to become thirsty for that gospel first. Thank you.